some great songs. Praise God. My wife was so upset this morning because she's sick again. And Nick, but I love those songs you're doing again. Please tell them to do them again. Praise God. Yeah, seriously, unbelievable. Oh, the Lord is so good. Father, I ask you to bless our time today, Lord. Thank you for that we can come together as a church family to love on each other, care for each other, look out for each other, Father, as we continually seek to want to know you more, Father, to put our feet upon the rock. You are the rock of our salvation. You are the one that came and did the things for your Father, Lord, because you want to fulfill his will for you, Father. Now you've given us a plan for us and a will for us, Father, and I just give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Talking about heaven, this is a second series. I put out the books that I'm using to, you know, commentaries, and C.S. Lewis, I love, New Illustrated Bible Dictionary, and I was driving to work the other day, and a, a precious church member for Christmas gave me the NIV live experience on CD. So I've been listening to it. I made a commitment to the Lord while I'm driving to listen to it. And I was in Matthew the other day and talking about heaven. It's like you can't talk about heaven without talking about the future. You know what I mean? And, and I'm listening to Matthew chapter 24 and I'm hearing these verses. And, you know, it's just, just light comes on. A cloud comes up. And then I hit rewind and hear it again in my car. And it says... In verse 10 of Matthew 24, because this is the future right now. We're living here right now. Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Isn't that a good thing to look for for the future? Think about it. We're living in the world where many will fall away, betray one another, hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many people astray. And I'll be getting into that a little bit. And because lawlessness will increase, and have we seen this? In the world, lawlessness increasing. The love of many will grow cold. Seriously, people will be walking away from the church. There are churches closing in America. Weekly, I heard. I can't comprehend that, but I just got to stay faithful. Somebody asked me today, well, what's your goal? And my goal is to do everything I can to get the word of God in my heart and then to teach it to you and to provide opportunities for you to fellowship and grow and minister and serve and all that. It says, but the one who endures, this is, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So just stay faithful. Keep your feet upon the rock. Keep growing. Stay into the word because the enemy hates that. The enemy hates you when you are in the word. The enemy wants nothing else but to take you away from the things of God and to have you focus on yourself and make church all about me and not about him. It says this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Last week I shared a couple statements. It says when we lose sight of the fact that God has a wonderful destination prepared for those who are his. Everyone that's sitting in here today that has a relationship with him, he has this destination prepared for us. I think it's called heaven. But when we lose sight of that, we try to create heaven on earth. How many people know people trying to create heaven on earth? They don't want anything to do with God. You know, we have everything we need. We have enough. We're powerful enough. We know enough. And I said, when we know We know there's supposed to be a heaven, and when we stop seeking the biblical heaven, we try to create an earthly one. So this series is about the biblical heaven. You know, last week we looked at John chapter 14. We looked at the first six verses, and Jesus was comforting his disciples and and, and telling them, Man, my Father's house are many rooms. You know, I go and prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I've told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And I talked about seven reasons why we want to talk about heaven, think about heaven, look towards heaven. I gave you seven reasons why heaven should be a treasured place. One, Jesus himself is there. That should be above all of that. And I also shared about our relationships, our inheritance, our residence, our rewards, our treasures, and our reservation is there in heaven. Heaven's not a place you want to miss. And I've been looking up tombstones 
uh, as sayings. And I found this in Indiana. There's this cemetery that has this tombstone that's over a hundred years old. And on the tombstone it said this, Paul, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare for death and follow me. Now, it said a few years later, some wise person came along and put some etching on the bottom of it that said this, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> think about it. That has a lot of wisdom in that statement, without a doubt. And I think to myself, everybody wants to know what happens to people when they die. That's why we want to talk about heaven. Where are they? How are they doing? And that's just not a modern cause that's come up for concern. Paul talked about this uh, to the Thessalonians. He said this uh, because he didn't want them to be uninformed. And some versions use the word ignorance, a tough word, but uninformed. And he said this, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And if you would close your eyes for a second and think of those people that you know that don't have hope, those people that you know, maybe even family members or, or spouses or neighbors or people at work that don't have hope because they don't have Christ. And you think about that, and Paul wanted us to know, you know, the Holy Spirit wrote through Paul, I don't want you to be uninformed about this, brothers, about those who are asleep. And when you talk about falling asleep, of course, in the Bible, that's a metaphor for death. It's the same one that Jesus used when he described Lazarus. After saying this thing, he said to me, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Paul uh, described the death of David, which is really cool because, you know, David's way back in the Old Testament. Here we are in Acts 13, 36, and Paul describing the death of David, he says, for David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. That, that's a tough verse. And I thought about that corruption. I thought, well, when your body goes in the ground, it's corrupted. It's corrupted. So for David, he served the purposes of God. And then he went and fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. So when people ask, where's my loved one now? I don't think they're asking about their body. I think they're asking about the person's soul, their true being, the material body. And I put in your listening, God, is laid in the grave. But what happens to immaterial person? And I think the Bible has an answer to that. And I'm going to give you some verses today. Some of them are very heavy. Some of them you might not even heard before. I'm going to start talking about three heavens. I mean, the place is going to go crazy. My people might be throwing food at each other. Anyway, there's two immediate places that you can go when you die. One is immediate heaven, and that's called paradise. Every believer who died before Christ ascended to heaven went to paradise. But when Jesus ascended to the Father, and you see that in the first chapter of Acts, Acts 1-9, things change. An eternity, destiny of the righteous, of the dead. And here's the verses, Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. This is very deep. I mean, I had to look at a lot of commentaries for this. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led host, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does that mean? But that he also descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended above all the heavens that he might fill things. So when Jesus ascended to heaven, you see that in Acts chapter 1, after his resurrection, he went to the lower regions, he gathered those believers who were in them, and he took them to paradise, the third heaven into the presence of God. Now, Paul talks about a third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. Check these verses. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff in God's word today. Stay with me. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in body or out of the body, I do not know. But Paul writes, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up in the paradise 
Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. It's like he repeats it twice. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Now, in my NIV commentary, it said the third heaven designates a place beyond the immediate heaven of earth atmosphere and beyond the further heaven of outer space in the presence of God himself. Thus, the risen and glorified Lord uh, is said to have passed through the heavens and now have ascended higher than the heavens and to be exalted above the heavens. The term paradise is really synonymous with the third heaven which, where believers who have died are at home with the Lord. So when Jesus was on the cross, and I give you an example from the Bible, when Jesus was on the cross, he told the thief who had believed in him, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's Luke 23, 43. And Paul equates paradise with the third heaven. And we saw that just in those verses in 2 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I believe paradise today is the third heaven where Jesus is, and that's the presence of God. So we have established when a believer dies, their body goes in the grave where they await the resurrection of the body at the rapture. That's your fill-in rapture. And we'll talk about rapture in a couple weeks when they are raised to meet Christ in the air. Further on in Thessalonians, he said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command and the voice of the archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God. And every time I read that verse, I think, Nick, get your trumpet out and practice with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive or who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That gives us hope. So I thought about the question, what form do we take in that interim when that happens? Because their bodies, our bodies are in the grave. The people that die, their bodies are in the grave and their spirits and their souls are in paradise with Christ. But what exactly is the state while we are in paradise? And we have an indication in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says this. And the subtitle in the ESV is our heavenly dwelling. For we know that if this tent is our earthly home is destroyed. So the tent, our body is called a tent in the Bible. We have this tent. You know, I hate it. It's getting old. Praise God. But earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. Verse 2, for this tent we groan, longing to put on the heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we were still in this tent, we groaned, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, capital S. We talked about the Holy Spirit today in the youth. Paul says that the human spirit does not want to be unclothed that is separated from his body. He says that when our earthly tent is torn down, meaning when we die, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. So when I read this and I look through the commentaries, I figure we have to get some kind of immediate body of some kind while we're in heaven awaiting for the resurrection of our original physical bodies. We're not told in the Bible what exactly we will look like. All I can imagine is that it's the manifestation of the spirit, the real person in the bodily form. Now, I tell you that because that's the first option is heaven. And really, all that stuff was about what I want to talk about today because there's only one other option, and that's an immediate hell, and that's Hades, H-A-D-E-S. Hades is not the ultimate internal hell where unbelievers will reside, but is an intermediate hell until the time of the great white throne judgment. So when you're listening, God, I put, when a person dies today without knowing Christ, that person's body goes in the grave and his soul and spirit immediately within the twinkling of an eye goes to Hades. 
think about that. And then I thought to myself, well, someone in here might know, well, what does it mean, soul and spirit? And I looked up the definition. The definition for the word soul is the principle of life, feeling, thought, action, and humans re, uh, regarded as a distinct identity separate from the body and commonly held to be separate, separable in the existence from the body. It's like the spiritual part of our human being is our soul and it's distinct from the physical part. Very important that the spirit is an attitude or a principle, uh, the dictionary says, that inspires or animates or pervades thought and feeling and action. Now, for unbelievers, you die, your body goes into the grave, your soul and spirit goes immediately to, to Hades and then you will get judged. And this is Revelations 20, 11 through 14. This is the great white throne judgment. And this will be the judgment for everyone who doesn't know Christ, who everyone decided they didn't need Christ, that they think they could do life on this own. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who seated on it. You know, and this is John and, you know, in the presence of God writing this out for us from his presence Earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they have done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged each one of them according to what he has done. I mean, this is serious stuff. I mean, this is God telling us what's going to happen. This is the only other option to heaven is hell. And this is what's going to happen. You die, your body goes in the grave, your soul and spirit immediately goes to Hades. And then when the great white throne judgment, the book comes open, you'll be judged in death in Hades. Verse 14 says, in death in Hades, we're thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. So Revelation is telling us that death and Hades will be delivered up the dead who were in them and they'll be judged. And the judgment happens at the great white throne and death and Hades give up those who were in them and they are cast in the lake of fire forever, forever. Hell is what the Bible says it is. Now the new illustrated Bible dictionary, which I love, stated that because of the symbolic nature of the language, some people, and I've had a person question me this before, and it's a fantastic question. Some people question whether hell consists of an actual fire. Such reasoning, uh, the dictionary said, should bring no comfort to the lost. But the reality is greater than the symbol. The Bible exalts exhausts human language in describing heaven and hell. The former is more glorious and the latter more terrifying than language can express. So many other religions uh, say so many different teachings about what happens when you die. And I want to give you a few examples so you would understand this because there are people... Every one of these religions that I name, you might know people that are caught up in it. Jehovah Witnesses, this is what they say happens when you die. They tell you there's no hell when you die. There's 140,000 live spirits in heaven. The rest of the righteous, the great crowd, they are supposed to live on earth and must obey God perfectly for a thousand years or be annihilated. That's what Jehovah Witness teaches. The Mormons will tell you eventually everybody goes to heaven. There's three separate heavenly kingdoms, and they kind of got that right. With some achieving, achieving godhood, apostates and murderers go to the outer darkness forever. The Unification Church tell you that after death, one goes to the spirit world. There's no resurrection. Members advance by convincing others to follow sun, mung, moon. There's a lot of drugs involved in that. Everyone will be saved, even Satan. That's what they teach. Now, Christian science, you can walk down Main Street in Old Town Warrington, and there's a Christian science reading room. I went in there a couple times. Very strange. Christian science will tell you that death is not real. Heaven and hell are just the states of the mind. 
The way to reach heaven is by attaining harmony, oneness with God. Let me light up. The New Age people believe that human reincarnations occur until a person reaches oneness with God. No eternal life as a resurrected person. No literal heaven or hell. And I'm kind of getting convicted that I'm making fun of this. Because it's sad. And people are caught up in it. And these things are caused. Scientology says hell is a myth and heaven's a false dream. And you hear of a lot of Hollywood stars involved in Scientology. And that's what they teach him. Hell is just a myth. Heaven's just a false dream. Hinduism says reincarnation into a better status is good karma. But if a person behaves well, they get that good karma. If badly, a person can be reborn and pay for past sins, bad karma, by suffering. Buddhism talks about reincarnation. People do not have their own individual souls or spirit, but one's desires and feelings may be reincarnated into another person. That's serious trash, man. Islam believes in body resurrection. One may pray for and seek favor for the dead before Judgment Day. Paradise includes a garden populated with maidens designed by Allah to provide sexual pleasure to a righteous man. That's sad. And we have people blowing themselves up thinking they're going to go to that. The nation of Islam says there's no consciousness or any spirit existence after death. Heaven and hell are just symbols. Statements about the resurrection referring to an awakening or mentally dead people by bringing them the true teachings of Islam. The Baha'i faith, which has a beautiful three-story place there on Sterling Boulevard in Route 7. The Baha'i faith believes a personal immortality based upon good works. With rewards for the faithful, heaven and hell are allegories for nearness and remoteness from God, not actual places. Think about it. They're all false doctrines. But hell, according to the Bible, is a place of eternal punishment for the unrighteous. Can you imagine that? Seriously. When my dad died, I knew he went to heaven. I knew he prayed to receive Christ. I saw the change in his life. When my brother died this past year, I have no idea where he is. No idea. You know, you, when people are alive, you share Christ with them. You share what it means to receive Christ in your heart. You ask them what we've all done. We realize we're a sinner and we receive Christ. We ask him to forgive us our sins and we receive what he's done on the cross. And then we live our life by working out our faith. And a lot of times being a youth pastor so long, I worry the teenagers, and I've seen in adults, we worry about just saying the right words. But really our heart's not changed. We're really not living for it because we don't want to give up the life we have. We try to create heaven on earth because we have so much stuff. America is the most blessed nation in heaven, and I worry for America. Because we're blessed and we don't have a desire for God. There are churches closing. There are people going away from the church. And which reminds me, some of the problems with that are our problems. Because people are walking into churches and they might not look the way we want them to look. They might not act the way we want them to act. They might not be dressed the way we want to act. And we sit there and judge people night and day. I remember a girl came up here with bare feet to play an instrument. And people were all up in arms. Out of bare feet. Sorry, I lost it on that. Think about it. Seriously, we need to love people and encourage people. You got teenagers walking in here that, you know, are been listening to or seeing people dress a certain way or hairs a different way. Love on them. Seriously. I'm going to be honest with you, man. We had a transgender come to this church for three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row. It was powerful. He wanted to talk to me. Kathy and I sat with that awesome in, in my office for over an hour and talked to them. And they, you know, opened up to me. And that was heavy. And all I wanted to do was love on them. Because that's what we need to do. We got 12 and 13-year-old girls saying they want to be boys. And 12 and 13-year-old boys saying they want to be girls. And that's just a the result of suppressing the truth of God's word or their parents not pouring the things of God in them. 
And if you're a parent here today and your teenagers are here, praise God. Somebody asked me today, what's my goal? And my goal is to get this in my heart and to share it with you all because time is nigh. We don't know how long it is before God comes back and takes us home with him. We don't know when the rapture is going to come. But I say when it comes, one will be taken and one will be left. One will be on the roof and taken, the other will be left. Seriously, I'll be inside doing laundry and I think I'm going to be gone. Praise God. Only because I know Christ, you know what I mean? And it's not nothing that I've done I don't want to get to that point where, oh, man, I know these verses and stuff, but I have to rely on him just like you do. And we got to stop playing Christianity and start being serious with our lives, living it out and walking and loving on people, not putting them down, not judging them, not make fun of them. Seriously, I don't want to make fun of anybody who's trying to live a different lifestyle because for some reason, Their heart is darkened because they've suppressed the truth of God's word. But guess what? We're Christians. We're supposed to have the truth in us. And we're supposed to take that truth and love people and share with people. Seriously, I'm doing my hair green one day. I promised Kathy I'd do it. This Kathy over there. Praise God. It's so important that we love others, man. It's the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love are the three greatest things. And what's the Bible say? It's the greatest love. Oh, no one anything but a continuing debt to love one another. For he has love one another has fulfilled the law of Christ. Hell is a place of eternal punishment for the unrighteous. And we have to understand that. And how do we get people out of hell? We love them. We spend time with them. We build relationships with them. Seriously, I look back there at Donna. I don't mean to embarrass you, but I want to encourage you because I think of all the years you were here pouring into these teenagers, loving these teenagers, doing events with them, and being there for them, taking them right where they are, and just, just pouring the love of Christ in them. It's beautiful. And you know what that is? Building treasures in heaven. Seriously, there is going to be teen. Donna, I don't mean to point you out today, but there's going to be teenagers in heaven thanking you and running up to you And say, thank you for telling me about Christ. I never heard about him. About him. I never heard about that grace. Now, Jeremiah, man, he didn't mess around. He's a prophet, one of the major prophets. He predicted that God would visit such destruction upon Jerusalem. And I'm still talking about hell. That this valley would be known as the valley of slaughter. And here it is. Therefore, this is Jeremiah 19, 6. I mean, how many years ago was this? Three? 3,000 years ago? Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no longer be called Tophet or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And then in the time of Jesus, the, the valley of Hinnom was used as a garbage dump of Jerusalem. And into it were thrown all the filth and the garbage of the city, including the dead bodies of animals. I was thinking maybe that's when PETA started. But including, that was supposed to be funny. The dead bodies of animals and executed criminals to consume all this fires burned constantly. Maggots would work through the filth. And this was the Valley of Hinnom. This was in Jesus' time. And it was like a garbage dump in Jerusalem. And in the illustrated Bible dictionary, it says, When the wind blew from that direction over the city, its awfulness was quite evident. At night, dogs would howl as they fought over the garbage. Could you imagine that? The smell and the stench. And Jesus used that symbol to to talk about hell. In fact, he says, you want to know what hell's like, Jesus said? Look at Gehenna. So hell may be described as God's cosmic garbage dump. All that's unfit for heaven will be thrown into hell. The word Gehenna appears 12 times in the New Testament. Each time when you translate it from the Greek to English, it's hell. It's talking about hell. The book of Revelation describes hell of a lake of burning fire with brimstone. Revelation 19.20. I'm shutting down soon. And the beast was captured 
and with it the false prophet in its presence who had done signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worships its image. And those two were alive in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So as we go through the end times and talk about heavens, there's a devil, there's a beast, and there's a false prophet. But we know the future of what happens to them because the book tells us those two people were thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So into hell will be thrown the beast, the false prophet. At the end of the age, the devil himself will be thrown into it, along with death and Hades and all of those names who are not in the book of life. Revelations 20.10 tells us about the future of the devil, the enemy. It says the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire where sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelations 21.8 really tells, you know, it's really a convicting verse because it really makes, it's about us. It's about unbelievers. It says, but as the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers or idolaters and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And I read those verses and I think to myself, we watch award shows and we watch people that live those kind of lives and we give them awards. We clap for them. We hold them in the scene. We wear t-shirts with their names on it. And that's what their future holds for them. And we would be that without Christ. Every one of us. I don't want to act like prideful. I want to be humble to realize that Christ did it for us. We don't work for it. He does it for us. But we have to receive him. But the Bible tells you what's going to happen to the faithless, to the people that aren't faithful to the detestable, for the murderers, the sexually moral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars will have their portion in the lake of fire. So I want to review if the band wants to come forward and yush us. When an Old Testament, and we're going to be talking about this for weeks, when an Old Testament unbeliever dies, his body went into the grave. And the soul and the spirit goes to Hades where it remains until the great white throne judgment where Hades is thrown in the lake of fire forever. That's the future for the unbeliever. Now, in the weeks ahead, I'll be talking about the judgment seat of Christ because that's where believers go. That's where believers go. When an Old Testament believer died, his body went into the grave and his soul and spirit goes to paradise. So if you're a believer and you die, your body grows in the grave. You know, I'm hoping Kathy and I are going to be buried together. And our soul and spirit goes to paradise. But when Christ ascended and go ahead and play. When Christ ascended in heaven, he took the occupants of paradise to the third heaven in the presence of God where they remain in an intermediate body until they're reunited with their physical bodies at the rapture. The rapture is going to be like the start of the end time. Since Christ's ascension into heaven, believers go to the third heaven also to wait for the rapture for the resurrected body. Following the rapture, all believers will always be with the Lord. And the prospect of spending eternity with Christ in heaven is powerful, but it requires a decision on your part. And that's where we have to share. That's what it means to be ambassador, to go out in your neighborhood and share Christ or invite him to church so they can hear the truth of God's word. Because we, you have to make that decision. I made it in 1981. John 1, 12 says, But all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave a right to become children of God. Romans 10, 13, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you choose not to surrender your life to Christ, because I have to share it. If I don't, I'm going against what God has called me to do. If you choose not to surrender your life to Christ, you will continue to try to create heaven on earth. And when you die, the only other option for you is hell. Come on up, ushers. Father, I pray that these scriptures made sense today. Father, I pray that as we 
think about you and think about that glorious grace that we have because of you, because you came to earth, lived a sinful life, died, buried, rose again on the third day, making intercession for us. And the Bible tells us that you're seated at the right hand of God right now, making intercession for us. There might be somebody here that might not have made that decision here. There might be somebody here that has not really been living the life you've called them to live. They might have received you, and they might have asked you to forgive you of your sins, but for some reason they've allowed the world to come in, and they're trying to create a heaven on earth instead of working towards a heaven to go to go to heaven, Father. And I know works don't save us, but I know my faith and my deeds is what shows that I am saved. So, Father, we want to open up this altar now for those who maybe want to draw closer to you. Maybe want to know more about you. Realize maybe the way I've been living my life, I don't think I'm going to go to heaven. So, Father, I pray that we just humble ourselves, Father, and seek your face. Turn from our wicked ways call upon you, Father. And I give you the glory. I ask you to bless our offering today, Father. Bless every, every giver here, Father. Help us to realize that what you bless us with is yours. Our life is yours. Our money is yours. We want to do your will, your good and pleasing and perfect will, Father. So I pray that you fill this place today, Lord. I pray for our fellowship today, Father. We can fellowship around food and love on each other and care for each other and look out for each other, Father give you the glory in Jesus name amen it's one of these times where you just want to stop
Just wanted to highlight a few things on the back of the bulletin. You guys are amazing. You guys just really step up to the plate. I see like the cereal boxes and the oatmeal boxes are overflowing. Um, we have one more week, um, then they'll be taken to the food bank and then we'll have our next food donation. So continue to bring in those boxes of cereal and oatmeal. Um, it's just awesome that we can be able to provide for our community. Did you guys see inside your bulletin that bright flyer there? We have movie night this Friday. It will be watching Overcomer. If you are a parent of a teen, please bring in candy, like the movie theater candy that you can get at Walmart. Bring them in because we're going to be selling them for our concessions. And all proceeds from our concessions are going to our youth ministry. So it's going to be a fun night. We're going to have the chairs back, bring blankets, pillows, pillow. Do they do pillow pets still? Um, my kids are old. But bring fun stuff, and it'll be a great time. We're going to have popcorn and hot dogs and candy. And invite your friends um, Friday at 6.30. So take a look at all the other activities on the back of your bulletin. we got the foster care. That's a service project that we're doing. Um, as a church family and inviting the whole community too. So right now, Jason has a PSA for us. <laughs> Public service announcement. The more you know. Because <laughs> knowing's half the battle. So um, as you as you continue to watch the news, please do not take the news as total gospel, um, understand that they are there to make money. Um, remember that first and foremost, the news is there to make you want to continue to watch the news and sell advertisement. So they, yeah, I know, it's amazing. They're so honest, but they are also fear-mongering on purpose. So as we as ha continue to have hyper-focus on every single coronavirus case in this country, remember there's only like 350 of them confirmed to this morning. Um, but it's going. It's, it's moving. This virus is continuing to spread. Yes, it's in Virginia. We, we have notice um, of somebody at Fort Belvoir who may have had coronavirus. We had an employee who was on the cruise ship this week that came back from Mexico, so we had to close an office and, clo and clean that office, send that person home for the rest of the 14 days. Unfortunately, they had already come back to work. So I want you to, I want you to understand two things. The virus is super easy to kill. It's an envelope virus, like many other germs that you have in your house. It's, it's just got this little envelope on the outside of the virus, and therefore it's really easy to break that outer lipid membrane of the virus and kill it. Soap and water kills it better than just about anything else, or just as well as anything else. You don't have to buy anything special. You, Lysol sprays kill in drops. Soap and water kills in streaks. Okay? So, you know, the Lysol wipes that you have and everybody uses, vinegar, um, soap and water, all those wipes that you use, those are the best ways to kill this virus. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. That's better than hand sanitizer that's also above 60% in alcohol content. But washing your hands is actually better because it's the action of the washing of hands for 20 seconds while you sing happy birthday or the ABCs. It's that action of washing your hands that actually breaks that outer lipid membrane that then kills the virus. So alcohol works, yes. If you don't have anything else, use the hand sanitizer, but wash your hands, most and foremost. And I would ask if everybody would wash their hands before you start grabbing spoons and utensils today. Social distancing is the last thing. So as we start to have cases show up in the local area, just keep a social distance. 
Handshaking here at church, we all love to handshake. Believe it or not, hugs are better than handshakes because handshakes pay, yo, that's the transfer of germs onto your hand. But a hug, I'm not transferring germs as I turn my face and give you a hug in the A-frame, you know, typical guy hug thing. <laughs> no kissing, no kissing, John. Um, no kissing of the cheeks, you know, that type of stuff. Fist bumps, that's the way to go. Fist bumps. Hugs, not handshakes. Uh, for those of us going to uh, Ignite next week, where we're going to be stuck with 10,000 other men who don't wash their hands, that's a 50% chance that most men don't wash their hands. Just, just saying, that's an average. Um, so all men in here, wash your hands. Um, we're going to consider to, we're going to continue to reevaluate that. Um, and, and those folks, you know, so like my dad called me and said, "Hey, should I go next week?" And I said. Maybe not, but let's look. Let's talk about it. And the reason for that, I really focus on him. While I'm still planning on going for him, because the most susceptible and the most at risk to get it worse are older people, believe it or not, or those with previously existing bronchial capacity issues, heart and lung disease, that type of stuff. Those are our most susceptible and most challenging patients that we're seeing. So those of you in this congregation that are older, that have had pneumonia in the past or have breathing issues, asthma, Smoking. you are the most susceptible to get it worse than everybody else. We're all equally at risk to get it because none of us have the antivirus. But those that have those pre-existing conditions are at greatest risk to get it worse and end up in the hospital. How do you get it? By transfer of spit? Um, by tongue, kissing, yes, John really wants to kiss people today. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but it's, the, it's not touching the elevator button necessarily. So it's, it dies fairly quickly on a surface. It doesn't last for a long time. It's still got this very thin lipid thing. It doesn't live when it dries out. But if there's some, you know, through, through coughing, sneezing, talking, um, heavy, you know, that anytime you're having, if you can smell somebody's breath, then what you're smelling is actual, the particles of liquid coming out of their mouth and going in your nose. So think of that. That's how you, that's how the distance is. So six feet is the social distance. Three to six feet is what we're recommending for distance. If you're, if you're social distancing from the public or everybody else, don't run around with a mask on. It's not going to do you any good. You're just wasting the mask. It doesn't work. It doesn't keep the germs from you. All it does is keep your germs from getting on somebody else. So if you're sick, wear a mask. If you're not sick, don't wear a mask. It's not going to do you any good. You're just going to waste the mask. All right. Now, Nate. Give him a hug, Nate. <laughs> Six feet. One of those three-foot hugs. You, now, of course, if you own a company that sells masks, <laughs> if anyone else is in here, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty impressive. You know, you go into pretty much any local grocery store uh, and whatnot, and they are they are uh, they're hurting there. Thank you for that message. We need to hear that. We need to hear more of that. More people outside these doors need to hear that. Uh, the issue of heaven and hell, or the conversation of heaven and hell, is a very real conversation, one in which that people don't want to have because it makes people feel very uncomfortable. However, it is extremely necessary. Nick, you were talking about paradise. Um, <clears throat> and I love that word because as you go through the scriptures, uh, you will see paradise referenced uh, on a couple of occasions. Um, first in Genesis, in the very beginning. You'll also see it referenced as on the thief on the cross when he says, I will be with you in paradise, right? With Luke is your reference there. But also another point in Genesis, or excuse me, in, uh, in Revelation. And so I wanted to read uh, Revelation real quick. Revelation 2, um, this is to the church in Ephesus. Uh, and it reads like this. Uh, to the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, 
your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you, that you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do these things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. Verse 6, but you have this in your favor, that you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And here's my verse, verse 7. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Which is in the paradise of God. In the very beginning, in Genesis, before the fall, the same word is used. The tree of life. That was paradise. We see that from the very beginning. We see, as we read through the scriptures, how mankind continues to fall and God picks us back up and mankind continues to fall and God picks us back up and mankind continues to fall. And at the end, in Revelation, we see that restoration. We see God restoring mankind back to the status that we had in the, in the garden, paradise. And so my challenge for you this week is to open your mouth and tell someone about Jesus. Look for those opportunities. People want to know more. People have questions. People are confused. And they don't know what to follow. But you, Christians, do. You do know what to say. And even if you're scared to death, and even if you think what might fall out of your face may not be the right thing, say it anyway. God will use that in some way, shape, or form down the road to glorify his name. He can work through all things. He absolutely can work through all things. And you have no clue on what you say, how that will impact someone down the road. Just think about how maybe you might have been saved. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time and opportunity, for this illustration of heaven and hell, Lord, and, and the clear representation of, of what, you, what you want us to do with it. Lord, you, you sent... God, you sent your son for us. This is the gift that we, we, are, we, have to, we, we choose to accept. We choose to accept. And the choice of that has, has repercussions. We are either going to be with you or away from you. And so, Father, I ask that this week that you provide opportunities for my brothers and sisters, that you are already providing opportunities for us to say things, that we're, we're not too sure at times if what we say is going to work. But Lord, let us not rest on those. Let us rest in, in, in what you're going to do, what you're already doing behind the scenes. Give us those opportunities to glorify you. Give us the strength and courage that we don't have, that we don't have. We ask that you say these things for us, for your glory, for their sake, for people that, that you love, that are made and created in your image. Give us those opportunities this, this week, Lord. I ask your blessing upon the day. And it's in your son's name, the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And through the power of your spirit, amen. Amen. And that was my...